1: does God love his church? He let his son die for the church. He purchased the church with his son's blood. He loves this church. He loves us. It's been put on earth for one reason and one reason only, to glorify God the Father and to get people to come into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Hypocrisy is horrible in a church. It's a cancer that spreads. We need to take care. We cannot allow Satan to come in and destroy what God has built. We can't allow Satan to come
0: in and destroy what God has built. In today's message from Pastor Dave, he teaches that hypocrisy is a cancer to the church. God loves the church and has established it to glorify and bring others to Him. Therefore, each member needs to seek the Spirit to live in a way that glorifies God. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 5 as he continues his message. The Holy Spirit strikes back. You are sure.
1: This act that Barnabas did led to a husband and wife becoming envious. They saw the accolades given to Barnabas. They saw how everybody was happy with Barnabas. And what they did, they wanted to be like Barnabas. As they were watching this happen, and I'm sure someone came into their ear and started saying, you can be just like Barnabas. In fact, you can be better than Barnabas. I can raise you up and you can be, get the applause of men you can get the applause of all the apostles, and they'll look to you and go, wow, you're very spiritual. His name is Ananias. Her name is Sapphira. They were husband and wife. They had a possession. We're told in verse 3 that it was some land. But when they sold the land, they kept back part of the proceeds, and they laid the rest of the proceeds at the feet of the apostles. Was this wrong? No. But they lied about it. They lied about it. They told the apostles that whatever they sold the land for, that was what they were lying at the feet of the apostles. They both agreed to this plan, so they were both accountable. Peter calls them on this, saying, you kept back part of the proceeds for yourself. You obviously sold it for one price. You gave the apostles the money to the needy, but in fact, you lied. Why did you lie? Why did they keep back some of that money? Why did they have the need to lie? Well, I think they wanted to look good in the fellowship. They wanted to appear more spiritual than they really were. You know the name for this? Jesus did. Hypocrisy. Jesus calls it hypocrisy. There's a man by the name of George McDonald wrote this, I found this quote to be fascinating. Quote, half of the misery in the world comes from trying to look like what we are not instead of trying to be who we are. The definition of a hypocrite is a person who pretends to have values and moral values or religious beliefs that, indeed, they don't even possess. In fact, the Greek word used here actually means someone wearing a mask, someone who's an actor portraying a role. Hypocrite. Warren Worsby says this, hypocrisy is deliberate deception trying to make people think we are more spiritual than we really are. Here we see Satan trying his best to derail the early church with a new tactic. He fills Ananias' heart with lies. And Peter asked Ananias directly, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the peace of the land for yourself? Obviously, Peter was in tune with the Holy Spirit. He had discernment. And the Holy Spirit was giving him this discernment through a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. Again, we see a very interesting point here. Peter is the one calling these people on this lie. You don't think Peter knows what it feels like to be led off by Satan? You don't think Peter knows all too well what that feels like? In fact, we read in Matthew 16, in verse 23, after Jesus told him, you know, the great profession of Peter, thou art the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus went on to tell him that he must go to Jerusalem and he must be handed over to the Gentiles and be be killed and, and die. Peter goes, far be it from you, Lord. What did Jesus say to him in verse 23? Get behind me, Satan. So Peter knows all too well what it feels like to have Satan in his body, in his midst. Also, Jesus said in Luke 22, verse 31, and the Lord said to Simon, 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 indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. And you all know what happened. Peter denies Jesus three times. Three times. So Peter knows all too well what's happening here. Peter knows all too well. This may be why Peter was the first to spot this deception. He was the first to spot this thing that was happening. Ananias' heart was filled with lies. We know that Satan is the father of lies. In John eight forty four, Jesus is talking to the Jews about their father, Abraham. And they say, our father is Abraham. And he says to them, you, you are of your father, the devil, and desires of your father you have want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan is the father of all lies. Peter tries to seek the truth from Ananias. He says, while it remained in your control, wasn't it yours? After you sold the money, wasn't it not yours? In other words, it was your money. You could have done anything you wanted to do with it. But you chose to bring it here and act all pompous and neat and lay it before the Lord and said, this is my gift because I sold the land for this much and that's what I'm giving aren't I righteous? Aren't I pure? Hypocrite. Hypocrisy. Jesus speaks pretty, pretty bad about hypocrisy. And you can read the woes in Matthew, but in Matthew 6, verse 2, Jesus says this, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have the glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. Again, in Matthew 6, 5, he says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. Are your deeds done so that men may pat you on the back? Are your deeds done so that people would think that you are righteous? So that people will look at you and go, Ooh, that man's very holy. Is that why we do things? Is that the matter of our heart? We need to be so careful. We need to be so careful of what we do and why we do it. We need to ask ourselves, why am I doing this? Am I doing this for the praises of men? Or am I doing this for the praises of God? We need to purge our heart. We need to cleanse our heart. Are we wearing a mask? If you're wearing a mask, Jesus has something very, very bad to say to you in Matthew 23 when he gives this list of woes. And we come down to my favorite. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which appear beautiful outwardly, but inside you're full of dead man bones and uncleanliness. Wow. Jesus had some pretty nasty words to say about those that wear masks, those that are hypocrites. Peter says to Ananias in Acts 5, verse 4, why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but you've lied to God. This sin that Ananias was doing was conceived in his heart. He wanted to look good before the congregation. He wanted to look good before the people. He wanted to hear applause for his good deed. But God is not mocked. And here, Peter accuses Ananias of lying to God. Wait a minute. Aha! We have a contradiction. I knew this word wasn't true. There's a contradiction in here. Because in verse 3, Peter accuses Ananias of lying to the Holy Spirit. And in verse 4, he says, lying to God. Aha! Contradiction. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. There is no contradiction. There is no contradiction in our Bible. Peter is equating the two together, telling you that if you lie to God, you lie to the Holy Spirit. If you lie to the Holy Spirit, you have lied to God. And what does this do? It shows you the deity of the Holy Spirit. When someone comes to you and tells you that our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is not deified, does not have godly attributes, take them to this passage and say, oh, yeah, it proves right here that they are one and the same, one and the same. Satan knows how to lie to our hearts and our minds. He knows how to lie to your hearts and your minds. Those people who are genuine Christians, he can get them to follow our orders. He can get them to follow his lead. If you don't believe me, what is the ammunition about spiritual armor in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18? Paul wrote this to believers. He didn't write this to unbelievers. He wrote this to believers to put on the forearmor of God. So we can be deceived if we're not careful, if we're not ever watchful. We can be deceived. Where I do not believe that a Christian can be possessed, where a being actually comes into your body and possesses you, I do believe that we as Christians can be led astray. We can believe a lie, and we can be led astray. And we've got to be ever watchful and ever careful. So as we move down in our Scripture, now we see the Holy Spirit going to strike back. The Holy Spirit is going to clear the air. When Ananias said these words, boom, he fell down dead. I got to read it, and I love it. It says, in verse 5, it says, Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came among all those who heard these things. Well, yeah, I guess so. I, I guess there was great fear. I guess there was great fear. But this fear turned into a reverent fear. It turned into an awesome fear. It turned into a fear that led to the beginning of wisdom of Christ, of God it turned into a holy fear. Ananias is dead. Peter did not kill Ananias. God, God's judgment did. God placed his judgment upon him. Three hours later, Sapphira comes trotting in. She comes to Peter and she doesn't know what happened to her husband. Peter says to her in verse 8, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. Peter replies to her in verse 9, how is it that you have agreed to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, The feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. And she fell. You know what Ananias means? Ananias means God is gracious. But Ananias found out also that God is holy. You know what Sapphira means? Sapphira means beautiful. But the sin that she carried in her heart was not very attractive. It was not very attractive at all. It's interesting that... When we fall for Satan's lies and we turn to hypocrisy, we not only tarnish our name, but we tarnish the name of Jesus Christ as well. We tarnish that name. Wiersbe says this, the sin of Ananias and Sapphira was motivated by pride. And this pride is a sin that God especially hates and judges. You can read that in Proverbs 8.3. No doubt the church was praising God for their generous offering that Barnabas had come in there. And no doubt, Ananias and Sapphira were being whispered to in their ear and said, look at this. You can have some of this glory. You can share in some of this. You can have others think that you're even more spiritual than Barnabas. All you got to do is this and this. But instead of resisting, Scripture says, resist the devil and he will flee. Instead of resisting, they yielded to their flesh and they planned this strategy. You might be asking yourself, gee, God was awful harsh here, don't you think? God was awful harsh here. He's not usually that harsh, is he? Well, we know the wages of sin is death, but it appears to me that throughout Scripture that every time there's a new era of salvation, God judges sin a little bit more harshly than he does some other times. Bear with me. After the tabernacle was finished, God killed Nadab and Abihu. Why? Because they presented false fire in the tabernacle. You can look at that in Leviticus 10. How about Achan and his entire family when they stole something that they weren't supposed to? He killed the entire family. It was a new time. They were coming into the promised land. God was establishing a new era of salvation, and he acted harshly. You can read about that in Joshua 7. While God is not responsible for these sins, he does use judgment to warn us. He does use judgment to warn people. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, verses 11 and 12. We see these things happen to them as examples and they were written for our ammunition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let whom who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. We have to be ever so careful of the sin, of the sin that so easily besets us, of the sin that can creep into our lives without us even being knowledgeable of it. It just shows up one day, and it happens in our lives. Great fear came upon them. Yes, great fear did come upon them. Great fear came upon the entire assembly. You know, it's easy for us to sit here and we look back at the scriptures and we can, you know, we can condemn Ananias and Sapphira. Well, look at them. Well, oh, how silly thing. Let's think about it. Someone once told me, I was having a conversation with somebody, and they said, I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. And I said, to them, well, what's one more? We all, we all have hypocritical moments. We all fall into the sin of hypocrisy from time to time. The flesh wants what it wants. The flesh wants to be recognized. The flesh wants to be puffed up. The flesh wants you to look at at the flesh and go, ooh, yes, we all do that. The sin of hypocrisy maybe might be different. It might be trying to sneak you and catch you in a web. For example, you're really mean what you pray in public or you're just using fancy words so that people will be impressed with your prayers. When we sing our worship songs, do you sing them from your heart or do you just stand there and routinely sing them? When you raise your hand, is it to impress somebody else or are you worshiping the Lord? Why are we doing things? Why do we do these things? Are you sowing seeds of discord through gossip and then come to church and smile at everybody and love everybody? Yeah. You tell somebody I love you to their face and then as you're walking out, talk about them behind their back. These things happen. If we're not careful, we fall into hypocrisy. And hypocrisy is like a, a cancer that affects the church and starts spreading f- through it to divide the church, to make the church fall. Our flesh wants that. Our flesh wants to be recognized. It wants to be applauded. Everybody loves the sound of of their own applause. We can't deliberately say things to make us look better. Remember, this is God's church, and he loves it. How much does God love his church? He let his son die for the church. He purchased the church with his son's blood. He loves this church. He loves us. It's been put on earth for one reason and one reason only, to glorify God the Father and to get people to come into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Oh, hypocrisy is horrible in a church. It's a cancer that spreads. We need to take care. We cannot allow Satan to come in and destroy what God has built. This is God's church. This is God's place. You know, Peter had a discerning heart. He had an ear towards the Holy Spirit. You know, if Ananias and Sapphira had fooled Peter, they might have become influential people in the church body. They might have been raised up in leadership. Satan would have gotten them all the way to the top and then used them to destroy, from within, to do crazy things. We must be so ever watchful. The church is a pillar, and the ground of truth it says that in 1 Timothy 3:15. And when Satan attacks it, he lies. The church is God's temple in which he dwells. You can find that in 1 Corinthians 3, 16. And Satan wants to dwell here too. The church is God's army. You can see that in Second Timothy 2, 1-4. through And Satan sneaks to get into the rank and file and pull people away and deceive them and pull them away. He wants them to become traitors. The church has persevered through many times of persecution and it's still persevering today from the attacks of Satan from the outside. But the true danger, my beloved friends, is from attacks from the inside. That's where true danger lies. Attacks from the inside of the church. So Satan can rip us apart, divide us. When a church divides, Christ bleeds. When a church divides because of pettiness and hypocrisy, Christ bleeds. You know, what is described in verse 11 cannot be confused with church discipline. This is not church discipline. This is God's judgment. In Hebrews 10, verses 30 to 31, it says, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This is God's judgment upon the new church. He was cleansing the new church. He was purging it, just like he did when the the Israelites came into the land. He was purging them, purging them, making them pure. Don't you see, God wants a holy church. He wants we're called to be holy. Be ye holy, even as I am holy, as your Father in heaven is holy. Be ye perfect. Wow, we can't do those things. But Christ said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when I'm in Christ, I can become the perfect person. Yes, I'm messing up. Yes, I fail. But come back to the cross. Come back and get forgiveness and move forward. He's transforming us on the inside. He's making us into this new creature, this new creation. From the judgment that came, I see a couple things. First, there was this great fear that we talked about. In fact, in Acts 5, verse 11, it says, So great fear came upon the church, and all who heard these things. <laughs> I guess so. I'm sure that every new believer went out and told somebody else, Do you know what happened to Ananias and Sapphira? I mean, they, I, they came, and they're dead. I can just see them. Great fear. They saw the hand of God come and take this man and this woman They saw them, and I bet this led to a great confession of sins. I bet everybody fell to their knees and started confessing to the Lord. Those little sins that they've been hiding, those little sins that have been tucked away somewhere, they're all looking around like, I don't want to be next. I'm confessing it to the Lord. God was purging his church. God was cleansing his church. God wants us to be holy. He wants us to be perfect. I'm sure there were shockwaves that went through the entire church after this. Can you imagine? The church is well over 5,000 by now. That's a lot of people that are starting to be afraid. He wanted to purge the church. He wanted to purge his church of hypocrisy. Jesus said in Luke 12, 1, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Beware of their teaching. Beware of false teaching, which is hypocrisy. Paul tells the Corinthian church to purge the leaven out. Get rid of the leaven. Remove it from yourself. Remove it. Leaven always represents sin always represents sin. We see the Passover where they go around and they get rid of all the leaven. It's getting rid of all the sin in the house so they can celebrate the Passover. They're getting rid of the sin. We as a church must get rid of our sin. God is purging us today. The results of this was a wave of fear that came over these people that swept through the whole church. It's interesting because back in chapter 3, in verse 33, they had great power and there was great grace and now they had great fear. I think you need all three for a good church. We need great power. We need great grace of God, and we need great fear. We need a reverent, awesome, holy fear of God. Fear that we would fail him. Fear that we would come up short. We need this in our lives. It's interesting that the writer of Hebrews says this, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Ananias and Sapphira saw just how consuming that fire can be. And secondly, as God purged his church, as God purged his church, it was power. Power by the Holy Spirit came forth because those parts of the heart that are filled with sin, filled with hypocrisy, now are vacant and the Holy Spirit can now spread out within that heart and from that comes great power. Look what we're going to study next week in verses 12 through 14 in the book of Acts. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all in one accord on Solomon's porch. Yet none dared to join them, but the people esteemed them highly, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of men and women. Great power came from this purging. Great power was brought into them. I'm going to ask you, won't you allow God to purge your heart this morning? Won't you allow a holy God to cleanse you from within this morning, let's look deep within our hearts. Let's look deep within our beings, and let's search out the leaven that might be there, might be resting someplace, and let's get rid of it. Let's lay it at the foot of the cross. We sang, "Lead me to the cross. Let's lay it at that foot and be done with it. Be gone with it. God wants a holy church. God wants us to be holy, to be righteous. We need to examine ourselves. We need to come before our holy God. We need to lay before his feet and we say, this is the sin that I don't want. This sin that may lead to hypocrisy. This sin that is coming down upon me. I don't want this. Cleanse me, O Lord. Take it from me. Be far from me. Because our victory is in Jesus Christ and no one else. Our life can be found in the resurrected Jesus Christ and nowhere else. And we need to be purged. We need to be cleansed so that we can come into a most holy relationship with a most holy God. I urge you, allow God to cleanse you, to purge your heart from all unrighteousness and let him show you those areas in your life that he wants to work with, that he wants to deal with, that he would love nothing more than you That just give them to him. Come to the fountain that overflows. Come and drink of the water of life. Come and be filled with God's love. You are assured.
0: Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. We encourage all our listeners to spend time daily in the Bible, learning from the timeless text that your Creator has given you. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor Dave's teachings from this series in Acts or explore messages from other books of the Bible, you can do so by visiting AssureHopeRadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. If you'd like a CD copy of today's message, we'd be happy to send you one. Just give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Assure Hope, but we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of the body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship and Bible study, and childcare is available. We're excited to have you join us. For more information and to get directions, visit assurehoperadio.com. That brings us to the end of our program for today. Thanks for tuning in to Pastor Dave's study in the book of Acts today. And we hope you'll join us again right here on A Sure Hope.